Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. It's been a few weeks since we've had a chance to check in with you, and we all just want, we just wanted to let you guys kind of know everything that's uh, been going on. Um, the plan as of right now is that Alex will be back with us next week. Uh, we have plans to schedule, sorry, to record actually tomorrow with Chase to finish up the second half of the Karn and Depression episode. Uh, we've had a lot going on in the last uh, month or so. It's been kind of a difficult time. I mean, I think it, it is for everybody, and we're seeing kind of more and more of that happening, especially as we get closer to kind of the election and everything that has been going on in the world um, and what's been going on even in our own community, which kind of inspired what today's episode is going to be about. I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, before we get started, I just want to uh, throw our shout out to uh, our sponsor, uh, that we partnered with, the Grinding Coffee Company, which is a black-owned, LGBT-ran uh, coffee company that supports gamers. You can go to Goblin Lore Podcast uh, on Twitter, and you can check out their website. It's pinned to us. We have a pin that lists both kind of our Patreon and also our bonus uh, that you get if you sign up and order coffee. You get a discount by using our code, and then we also kind of get um, some money back in that. So, we just also want to, once again, Grinding Coffee Company has a Kickstarter coming out, and we just really believe in kind of what their message is. So on to today's episode. Uh, this is Hobbs, by the way, in case it was a little confusing, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I do a horrible job sometimes at introducing myself. But the other day on, on my Twitter, on HobbsQ at Twitter, uh, I posed a question. I'd already had kind of a thought about this in mind, given kind of what I do for my day job. So people know that uh, I'm a clinical psychologist. I work at the, the the VA. And one of the things that I've been doing for the past seven or eight years is running anger management cohorts. It's a group that actually I really enjoy running because it's a topic that I think is, uh, it, it, yeah, it, it really ties into this idea, especially in a military culture of what manhood is or even what it means to be a woman in the military and how that kind of corresponds to, quote unquote, being manly. And this idea of anger is something that just comes up in a lot of what I do and a lot of what I see online and in, in every aspect of life. And I want to talk about anger and talk more kind of about that and what it means. The timing of this I actually sent out this question asking for lore-based examples because I was really interested in kind of thinking about, well, where's a lore kickoff? What are some examples that we've seen in magic lore of anger? The response was phenomenal because it actually hit on something that I think is going to be really important to make a distinction about when we get into this. And it showed me why I believe that this is a very important topic and why I want to have this discussion. Since I put that question out, I... I was planning on recording it almost right away. Did not have time to do that. It's got pushed back a week. We missed last week's episode. And as people might know, I'm going to just bring this up briefly. I am not going to dwell on it or talk tons about it. But we had a situation with the Walking Dead cards that are being put out as a secret lair. And people's response to that across the board and across kind of the range of opinions and sitting in different discords and seeing kind of how anger can kind of play out or how anger can be expressed made me realize that this is a timely issue to be discussing. Because I want to start off by saying simply that at its core, anger is an emotion. Part of my goal for today is to dispel some myths that people have about anger because I do think that anger is misunderstood. Um, I think that anger is an emotion. It is an emotion. I mean, that is what it is. Uh, what that means, though, is not always completely understood. And part of that is because there is a relationship between anger and aggression. So for the purposes of what I'm going to discuss in here, anger is referring to the emotion. Aggression is referring to action or behavior. And there is a difference between them. They are linked. We do know that if anger is not managed or dealt with or expressed in healthy ways, it can turn into aggression. And I think that what we end up seeing a lot of times is the aggression piece or the aggressiveness and not the emotion as it is initially felt. Another thing that I want to kind of establish as we get into this is 
anger is an emotion, which means that it's natural. All emotions are. So I'm not going to be labeling emotions as good or bad. I may talk a little bit about pleasant or unpleasant, how they generally make us feel. But at the end of the day, I really don't want to kind of use these labels of good and bad when it comes to something like an emotion, because emotions at their core just are. It, and just like with any emotion, if it is felt too intensely over too long of a period of time and how we choose to respond to it or express that emotion is really where the problem lies. Now, obviously, there are certain emotions that are probably going to be lend themselves to more unhealthy behavior or more unhealthy actions. But it doesn't mean that the emotion itself is wrong or bad or invalid. And this is going to come up when we talk about some of the characters in Magic Lore. So I have two characters in particular that I really am going to focus on today, which are Greven Ilvek, who is part of kind of the um, Wrath Cycle, uh, shows up kind of with a lot of the crew of the Weatherlight, and then Angrath, who I ta have touched upon a little bit in the episode when it came to being a father. And Angrath is a very interesting of the more recent characters for me, not only because of this fatherhood piece, but also because of the anger. Now, I'm choosing to focus on these two characters because anger is much more of a trait that is really assigned to them kind of across the range of the stories or across their kind of... It tends to be, or at least what we are getting, their typical response or their typical way to deal with situations. Um, now, when I did this, as a, like I said, as a thread, I got a host of other good stories. Um, now, most of these fall into the, the kind of the situations that we have where something happens to somebody in the story and they get angry and they turn to vengeance or they turn to an action. Now, for a lot of the characters that this applied to, I would say that we don't have enough information to necessarily know if this is really what that person is like at their base or if this is what the person is kind of like um, at their core. And this is kind of setting up a little bit about what I want to talk to about the idea of state-based versus trait-based. Now, this is kind of a, a term that is used a lot of times with personality characteristics or temperament to talk about is something a state-based action? And it's kind of funny that we use this language because I do think that it falls really well into gameplay. Um, or is it something that is a more of a trait or something that's inherent in the person or the card or whatever we want to be talking about? So state-based is an emotion that is in response to a very specific episode or trigger, which is actually kind of, like I said, from a gameplay perspective, I think that makes sense. State-based happens, it's something that is checked, and it's usually after an action happens or something happens in the game. Um, Trait-based is where I think we want to focus a little bit more on our anger discussion, which is honestly when anger starts being felt too intensely for too long, as I've already said. So a lot of the examples I got you know, was Vivian's reaction um, to kind of a large swath of a vamp colony that was a justifiable anger and their mistreatment and abuse of local animals. There's a clear reason for that anger. The person in this tweet, uh, so this was at Tuba1060, even said justifiable anger. And that is something that I'm going to want to come back to. Um, Tangrath, a lot of anger in that. He is somebody that I did look at is also kind of coming in with, uh, he is another example, I think. I chose to stick with Grevin and Angrath, but because I wanted to kind of have an older and a new, but I think Tangrath is another. But, uh, you know, we have Nahiri because it's kind of been that, you know, a grudge that's been held, nothing, nobody came to her. She basically had to escape. She's somebody that is more kind of consumed by her anger. So I think that once again, it, it it's very, it's kind of a case of how she chooses to use it and manage it. Now, a lot of these are, though, is like Heliod backstabbing Elspeth and Elspeth coming for him specifically for that. Or Elspeth coming for the Phyrexians because of what they have done and the experiences that they they had. You know, and it, this, you know, I, I really do like, um, so Niels, who, who is at Queer Vigil, 
um, had kind of said to like talk about this anger in the color pie, how anger and hate expressed across the colors. Because I do think that anger is something that could be used for a color pie episode that we've done to talk about how they maybe they, it is expressed in healthy and unhealthy ways. But, you know, we have Nahiri, we have Kamal, we have Baron when his kids have been killed and he kind of has, but it is a vengeance once again. Um, it is very much kind of talking about that. Uh, I really like the idea. Actually, the card anger is a very fascinating one to me because it uh, is an incarnation. It is kind of a what the embodiment of anger is. And the flavor text being saying, for its time, as a mortal, anger chose the shell of a boiling rock. Um, it is really kind of anger as a card personifies what this kind of means. Uh, we have a Johnny with the revenge. We know that we have uh, Avison becoming purified. And a lot of that is it's because there's no hope and it's now stained with blood. And, it, and so it's really kind of this, it's the Eldrazi corruption. It's something that is going on. Um, Kyle C. Carson, who's a great just person that I, I think is so insightful, uh, sent one that really is kind of about Baron again. There are these that are coming up a ton. A lot of these characters were being repeated. Baron is a mix of anger and grief. And I think that that hits at kind of the core of what we're going to discuss today with anger is an emotion. Because just like all emotions, we don't have one at a time. Um, and noticing what the difference is between that or maybe how his grief is being masked by anger, or sorry, how his anger is masking his grief, I guess, is going to be something that I think will be important. Um, and then kind of Chandra chasing after Baral, it's kind of done in an anger way. Uh, you know, uh, I, I like this flavor text from Killing Wave. So Duraspito, uh, Duraspacito sent this one, which is, I came looking for demons and I find a plane full of angels. I hate angels. And it just is kind of that it's it's a par it's a personality characteristic of Liliana Vest, but it's also her kind of going with this. It wasn't what it was when she got there. There was anger that she experienced. She was upset about it. Um, Quende has rage at Teferi over the loss of a nation. Interesting, he was too young to remember. Um, Garrick, Johnny's brother. I mean, a lot of these that were coming up, and we had kind of a whole thing is just it's. It's rage or it's sometimes the situation that led to the anger. And it might be that some of these characters are prone to anger and that might be kind of their, their go-to emotion or something that is more of a trait. But in general, a lot of these were situations that even seem justified or people are going to understand why they acted in the way they did. Now, their response may have been disproportionate. And we're going to be talking about healthy expression of anger in a minute. But these are really kind of what we have are, are story examples and vengeance or people giving into their emotions. These intense emotions or these intense angers makes for great storytelling. And I think it is clear, too, that there are situations where we have a response or that anybody in that situation is most likely going to have the same response. Now I want to talk about anger when it comes to being more of a personality characteristic or a trait and really how it kind of functions as that emotion that really is developed over time. It becomes a thought pattern. Now, Grevin Ilvek is interesting to me, and we're going to start with him going kind of older. I'm going to do a brief kind of going over his story, but talking about, like I said, to him, he kind of personifies in some ways that soldier. Um, he is in charge. He is kind of uh, forced to be Volrath's second in command. And he really is, yeah, I mean, he, he is known for his rage. He is known for his actions and he is known for his aggression. And I think that he is known for his aggression because his anger is being expressed in that way. Um, one of my favorite cards that really depicts him is Hatred. Because I think that it pers it really sums up a lot of this very well. I will flay the skin from your flesh and the flesh from your bones and scrape your bones dry. And still you will not have suffered enough. It is this extreme, intense feeling. Um, and one of the things that's important to recognize 
hatred is an is a type of anger um and as we're going through this i am using anger as a blanket term um I want to acknowledge the fact that anger exists on a continuum. All emotions exist on a continuum. That's something that we've covered before. Being able to identify the differences between them are things that are going to be important if you're somebody that is trying to kind of get used to managing or coping with your anger. And hatred is probably on the, I mean, murderous, maybe rageful. Hatred is pretty far along. And this card really... Everything about this card from the mechanics to the flavor text to the just the story implications of kind of the art and the name of it are fascinating to me. The effect is to pay X life. You are this is a I do not care what this costs me. I am not thinking about it. And, and the creature will get plus X plus zero until end of turn. The idea from a flavor standpoint and from a mechanic standpoint of you are able to give as much life as you have into a character to make them stronger, but only when it comes to power. You do not make them tougher. That is a plus X plus zero. This is an example to me of where Greven is. He, it is a willingness to do whatever he can with no thought of what the consequences are going to be. A little bit of kind of story behind him. So Greven has received... Phyrexian enhancements to really make him a better fighter, make him a deadly warrior. He was also fitted with a spine that uh, Volrath was basically used to control and punish him. This is something that is very demeaning and leaves him bitter and resentful. So he then passes that on to how he treats other people, his soldiers in particular. Um, he really was drawn to the the stronghold and to, I think, Volrath really because of the potential for power. Uh, so we do know that he kind of had that. And he's able to rise because he's, he's he is efficient and deadly at what he does. I mean, he gets command of the Predator specifically because he is able to basically root out insurgents or he's able to kind of... He, he's a good fighter. That's what he has been able to do. Um Greven encounters the Weatherlight, uh, mainly to re-steal the legacy artifacts, gets into it with Gerard, which is when Gerard gets kind of knocked over the ship. And this uh, interesting part of where Vateildil actually tries to assassinate Greven <laughs> during this because he was, I mean, I, I love this storyline just because of just it's just constant backstabbing, which is what we see from most of the bad guys during this era of the Weatherlight. Um, but Greven is trying to lead. He is trying to lead by his rage and he by his cruelness and by his aggressiveness. He, you know, people brought up Tongarth in this situation because Tongarth gets captured during the situation during the, the the attack on the Weatherlight, and he starts being mutated you know he is starting to have his body mutated into that of a phyrexian and you kind of see that it is being done against his will and it is greven taking out this frustration this anger and everything that's gone on to him is being passed on to the next person um greven has a chance at freedom he uh basically he's expecting kind of to have a punishment because of his failings He's given news that Volrath is gone. He's hoping to get out of, the, you know, during the chaos, he's hoping to kind of get out of this. Um, he does not want to be in the same situation as he was before, being second in command. And and Greven ends up basically staying in this role. Um, he, Krovax comes in, Krovax kind of taken over. Uh, Greven tried to fight the kind of um because volrath had shape-shifted to reveal his return i mean there was kind of a lot going on but it basically uh it proposed a duel between Krovax and volrath the duel was vicious blah 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 i mean where it ends up though is it means that this leaves greven still in in charge of the predator um coming up against the weatherlight again he has a rematch now against Tongarth, um, and what is 
his downfall in some ways is that the Minotaur's hatred kind of gives him a maniacal strength. That's that idea really, once again, that there is no kind of thought to it. Um, Grevin basically ends up being killed under the beating of Tongarth. Grevin is depicted in his own card. So we have a Commander Grevin Elvec, uh, which is a card that has the mechanic of fear, which is kind of what the Grolo aggression is. Um, he's involved, uh, just his card names that he's depicted in are very much tied to this idea. Dominate, coercion, fevered convulsions, hand-to-hand combat, hatred, scare tactics. Um, he recently got a, a predator captain where he's got menace, um, maniacal rage. Even though that you know it's also I mean that's what we talk about a little bit too with the minotaur. But it is these kind of ideas that he is sadistic and that he is an aggressive person. And I want to say this because we're going to talk about his anger as an emotion and why that is separate from his aggression in just a little bit. First, I just want to kick in real quick and do Angrath. Now, Angrath, we have a lot less info about. We know that he is kind of hot-headed. He's got the, I mean, and, and <laughs> literally hot-headed because he has got fiery chain whips and he has extreme heat that exudes from his body. Um, he has this sense of impatience. He feels like a caged animal. He has a wild temper, um, which is something that he then, you know, it's, it can lead, you know, he, and his magic is also building off of that temper. And this is where I, I think we're going to talk about management of anger, which his his magic is made to, in some ways, inflame tensions to his enemies so that they turn against each other. Um, he really, his story, and I talked about this on the dad side of it, we have... a. We have very little. Um, we know that he was trapped on Ixalan by Ixalan's binding with the uh, whole incident to do with the fact that um, the immortal son was there holding planeswalkers. Uh, and he has been trapped there. We, we still, you know, the, the story of why he planeswalked for the first time and ended up on there is a little bit, uh, we, we only know we kind of, he had a family, he had daughters and a wife. He was pulled away from them. He ends up getting trapped on Ixalan, and he's there for 14 years. He takes up uh, basically residence on to the Devil's Smile, which is a uh, one of the ships. Um, he finds a place among the clue, a, a crew, very much you know, using his abilities for raging, raiding, and pillaging. Um, he actually leads a mutiny because. What is interesting is even with this description of kind of his hot temper and his anger, he is actually liked by the rest of the crew and respected by them. Um, he is kind of the Ixalan story. What we have is he ends up becoming a pair or friends with um, Huatli and being able to kind of use that to be able to get them free to get them to be able to leave the uh to leave Ixalan and where it becomes important with him kind of being able to uh Angrath gets to go home um you know he still struggles with his emotions before he's able to leave uh he um so there's the incident where they kind of discover Alenda the vampire and like it basically like Plotly wants to kind of, uh, she wants to stop and investigate and he wants to hurry on. And when she doesn't do that, he kind of angrily strike, strikes out at her. That is his reaction. He kind of, um, you know, he basically, he, all he knows how to do at this point is to respond in an aggressive manner, to strike out when he becomes angry. Now, he is in a hurry because he has these other emotions. He's wants to get home. He wants to get in to see his daughters. He wants to leave. He's been trapped, but he doesn't know how to kind of express that or anything to do with it. So he gets reunited with his daughters. And in one of the saddest things that in some ways that I see, however, and this is typical storytelling, his, his, his happiness is short-lived. And this is mainly because he gets pulled right into War of the Spark. He gets lured there by the Interplanar Beacon Trapped there by the immortal sun. So right away, 
we now have the situation <laughs> that Angrath has been trapped now twice by the same beacon. That I mean, the same like piece of machinery technology. Um, he does fight with the uh, the guild watch, um, the gate watch. Sorry, <laughs> he fights with the gate watch. He is part of that. He um, actually is kind of takes starting to take a place as a leader. But what we have the situation is he's on the ground. Hotly is there, and last she's suspicious of him. She is worried that he's going to betray others because she saw what he did to her before he reacted in a way. Now, Angrath did, he was part of the successful um, charge. He actually did a pretty good job, and this is because of the nature of his magic, which draws from his anger. I mean, we have cards like Angras Fury, cards like Angras Rampage. Drawing from it, he's able to kind of even pull Eternals to their side, getting his own miniature army. I mean, his card that we get from War of the Spark, you actually are making, you're, you know, you're able to amass. So the last thing I want to say about Angrath before we just move to our full discussion is um, despite the initial frustration that he experiences from being trapped, he was one of the few who choose to remain after the immortal son is been um, disabled. So after Chandra's disabled the immortal son, he did not just loot leave. He did not just he did not just planeswalk back out to his daughters who he had just reunited with. He had all this anger and this frustration, and he was trapped by this again. He decides to stay and fight. And to fight against kind of Bolas. And we know that he is even there all the way to the Plain Wine celebration. Um, now, he struggles with his emotions again right at the end of the War of the Spark. And I think this is where it's going to be interesting as a going forward point where we might get to know a little bit more. Because he wants to destroy the Immortal Sun. This poor guy has been trapped twice now due to this, this, to this device. And... The Gatewatch wants to keep it. <laughs> like he wants to destroy it. He's like, no. Like we need to get rid of this. He was vetoed because they were hoping that it could help capture the other planeswalkers who was assisted Bolas. He is still showing that frustration, but he does not let it overtake him to the point where he just leaves again. He stays around. He has this brief conversation with Teo, even that talks about. I mean, I think as much as I disliked War of the Spark as a story. This piece of it is a very important one and I think is one of the better moments was Angrath kind of talking to Teo about the dead and pity for them and that their suffering is over and to, you know, not to pity them, but to pity the loved ones that have been left behind, um, which pity, suffering, these are once again emotions that could be leading to that anger and I think this is where... um we do have a, a question of where Angrath goes from here and kind of how he is going to use his anger and what form his anger takes. Um, so we know that he was a blacksmith. Uh, you know, he, he does kind of travel um, when he does initially. We know he has daughters. We know that he lost his wife. He has had kind of a lot of sorrow and a lot of ability. I'm uh, sorry, a lot of frustration and just... A tough life. I mean, I, I just keeping it as simple as that. Angrath has had a very difficult life, and his his tendency is to go towards emotion of anger or frustration or temper. So now I just want to use that we have these two stories. We're kind of seeing a divergent path in some ways. We see how Greven became angry. And not only angry, but came mean. He became aggressive. He used his anger as kind of a weapon. And you could argue that Angrath does too. But Angrath is really somebody that we are seeing with much more of kind of a journey to change that and to not let anger completely just consume him or overcome him. So let's talk about anger. Um, as I said at the start, anger is an emotion. Um, and one of the things that we talk about with emotions being natural, as I said, kind of at the beginning is 
the goal of anything to do with therapy or treatment or to do with anger people come in and want to stop being angry and what i kind of say from day one is that it's not necessarily ever going to happen that you're going to be able to get rid of anger because anger is going to be a natural response the goal for any type of treatment when it comes to anger or, or just even thinking about our own anger and what we do with it is how do we manage it? How do we keep it from becoming unhealthy? And how do we learn to express it in ways that are healthier? So, you know, very clearly, the examples that we have from the story is mainly to do with how anger gets expressed in an aggressive manner. Um, Everything that Grevin does is based off of aggressiveness. It's based off of control. It's based off of hatred. It's based off of really trying to dominate and coerce. We talked about aggression as being a behavior, and it can also be a communication style. And one of the things that we want to talk about is when anger is expressed, in an aggressive manner, it has one goal, which is to get your needs met at the expense of another person's needs. Um, there is little concern for what another person's feelings are, what impact it will have, um, and it really is focused on kind of just getting your way and making sure that you you win. Um, I mean, that is what the goal of it is. It, it turns conversation, it turns arguments, it turns everything into an ability to try to win. Um, Angrath, we, we do know that he is using his anger in fighting, but we don't necessarily know that he is doing it just to dominate and to control. Um, I mean, we know that he's used it. I mean, we know that he was loved by a crew. He did not, it, it, they, it didn't say that they respected him because of his, you know, because that he was, you know, manipulating them or dominating them or beating them or making them fear him. He may have been using his talents or his magical ability, his physical prowess, his anger in aggression. He was using it as a way to actually benefit everybody. Now, when we're talking about this, I do want to jump back to kind of this idea of the fight or flight mechanism, which has come up a lot on the show in terms of anxiety and the fight or flight mechanism is one of the things that underlines a lot of anger. Anger is a learned behavior. So, uh, you know, there, there is not good evidence that anger is a genetic trait that is passed on from person to person. Um, now you might find that anger runs in families or in groups. And that actually is because it is a learned behavior. It doesn't mean that, you, you know, that just because your dad, it, sorry, trying to rethink this because I really want to hit in this idea that anger does appear from the outside to run in families um, or to run in groups. And a lot of people, unfortunately, equate stuff like that, especially within families to genetic traits. The danger behind equating things to genetic traits, especially when we don't have good evidence in twin studies and genetic studies that there is like an anger gene, is that genes are not something that we can change. We don't have gene therapy. We don't have ways to fix it. And a lot of times that mindset can really lead to just a, oh, I can't change it. It's just the way that it is. Now, how it appears that way is because anger is a learned behavior and we generally learn it from those around us. And so if we are seeing anger and we're seeing anger expressed and we're seeing it expressed aggressively or we're seeing it expressed to reach a means to an end, we are going to learn that that is kind of what you do. That is what you need to do in order to get your way or in order to be heard. Um, so when it comes down to thinking more about this idea of the fight or flight mechanism, we've attributed a lot of the fight or flight mechanism to fear. And with anxiety, we talk about how um, social anxiety, uh, PTSD situations after a trauma, bodies are interpreting or your mind, your brain is interpreting situations as fearful or threatening, even if they are not. And I bring this up to kind of talk about 
anger tends to be one of the common responses to kind of the fight or flight mechanism. And it can come from either version. It can come from wanting to run away and it can come from wanting to fight. But what happens in your body is really those sensations of those kind of those physical effects that happen when you feel fear or you feel threatened or you feel a host of other emotions. Anger is actually what we refer to most predominantly as a secondary emotion, simply meaning that usually anger has been learned to be the response that you want when you feel other emotions that you do not want to feel. So sadness, insecurity, embarrassment, fear, sadness, um, hopelessness, all of these are emotions that a lot of us have been conditioned. And I'm going to come at this from really thinking of this toxic masculinity that we've envisioned in the past, only because that is where this is more stereotypically believed. But the idea that that a lot of times men are taught from fathers, especially when we're talking about toxic masculinity or from society, that Anger in some ways is an acceptable emotion. Like I said, a lot of my work is done with veterans, and this is not to say that women do not get angry and the, the mechanism for becoming angry is not the exact same. But a lot of what we learn about masculinity is to not show emotion. Um, there was a wonderful thread just yesterday on Twitter that I saw asking men if they're used to getting compliments and the sad part of seeing that men are not. Um, it is very much less common. Um, when it comes to anger, anger for a lot of people in general is an emotion that if they are prone to, it's probably because it's either been beneficial in the past to them, or it is what was taught to them as being an acceptable way to push away other emotions that are not as comfortable or are actually ones that you just yeah, that are unacceptable, that you should not be feeling or should not be having. Now, thinking about this, one of the main goals of anger management to start with is simply to start noticing when you're becoming angry. Uh, a lot of people feel that they go from zero to 60, and that is because they have not actually sat down and been able to start telling and recognize the warning signs for themselves of when they are getting angry, to notice when their anger is kind of starting to spike that, you know, you're moving from your calm day to day, your baseline. And each of our baseline is different. We're all not going to start this the day at a zero or a one on a zero to 10 scale. Um, or what is what, what I might consider to be a five for myself might seem, you know, for somebody who has been using anger as a go-to or that's been a much more of a lived experience my five to them they may make fun of and say you know that's just like a three it's a two noticing that each of these are kind of different for all of us but that we do all have kind of variations in our level of anger and being able to recognize the differences between fury versus rage versus annoyance or irritation now the first step to that, like I said, you recognize that it's happening. Then it's to be able to recognize kind of the warning signs. And there's four broad categories of these. So these are broadly the behavioral, the physical, the cognitive, and the emotional. The emotional we've hit on, the idea of what else is going on besides just anger. What else am I feeling? So in the situations that were coming up, over the Walking Dead situation and with the cards coming out and some of the decisions that have been made by wizards and by other companies or how people acted in my towards the rules committee and the CAG, there was feelings of being unheard, feelings of being disrespected. There was feelings of fear or, 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 yeah, I mean, when, when part of this does come back to talking about something like Negan, you know, somebody's having, you know, fear might be their first response. And now they're feared that they, they don't know how to comfortably explain that or talk about it. It can easily push over into aggression or to, well, the anger. And if the anger isn't put, isn't addressed to aggression. And a lot of social media really allows for kind of this quick move 
up the anger meter from anger to action. And part of what we want to do is to kind of stop that, to give ourselves time to maybe not act, to stop and slow down and maybe compose ourselves, to manage it, to not say not to express your anger, but to learn how to express it so that it's going to be heard. So we have the emotional cues. We have the cognitive cues. Those are the thoughts that are going on in our head. Those are the should statements. They shouldn't have done this um, from, you know, it's our should statements. It's our black or white thinking. It's seeing the world as kind of all or none. It's our jumping to conclusions. It's whatever thoughts we have. That asshole cut me off. Um, whatever it is, what are the think thoughts that you're having when you're getting angry? What are the behavioral cues? What do you do? Do you tend to just shout? Do you tend to scream? Do you tend to throw things? Do you tend to hit people? Do you tend to um, shut down and just go completely quiet? Do you tend to leave the situation and not talk to anybody? Um, whatever those behaviors are that you have that, that, are, that are a clue that you are feeling angry. And then the physical really is a lot of times what is being driven by that fight or flight. Do you become flush? Do you become tense? Do your thoughts start racing? Uh, do you get that tunnel vision? And I believe that this is where Grevin, to me, is a perfect example of anger in him really having become a fight-or-flight mechanism where he's going to fight. He is completely oblivious to anything on the periphery. His hatred is completely blinding to what he cares about is what is in front of him. And that is actually a very natural response to anger. Um, in the sense of it becomes a tunnel vision. Your pupils actually constrict so that you are able to better focus on what the threat is right in front of you right now. And a lot of the problems that we have from anger come from the fact of we're treating things as threats and we are ready to engage and we, are, we cannot see what all is going on around us. So as I was saying, the first step is really to be able to just recognize that anger is happening, to be able to kind of notice the signs of it within ourselves, to notice what it is that we're doing, what it is that we're thinking, and then it becomes how do I start using different strategies in order to manage my anger. Um, I like the idea of Angrath like actually managing it in some ways by going out and working in his blacksmith shop. Like the, the, the reason that we're kind of seeing him, it, it gets channeled into his magic in a way that I, like I said, that he seems to be a hero. And it's because even though it may be his temper was driving it and he, it still is taking over at times to the point where he, he does have the situation where he strikes out without really thinking and moving on on his own. We are seeing kind of this decision making that he is able to slow down he's making decisions, he's being more rational, and now he may still be using that anger, he may still be expressing it and actually having it drive him, but he's doing it in a way that is not leading to negative consequences for him and not really causing harm to those that are around him. So like I said, it's finding what works for you, and it's going to be different from all of us. The biggest concept that I want to throw in along with this is just making sure to understand immediate strategies versus preventative. Preventative are more of those kind of mindfulness exercises, um, you know, regular exercise routine, learning to challenge your thinking on a regular basis and be able to use those. These are the things that are going to kind of hopefully keep us at a kind of a lower level of anger or is going to allow us to feel that that zero to 10 is a lot wider of a scale. We're not starting at a five every morning. And then immediate strategies are that recognition that our anger is still going to happen. What do we do when it happens? Do I fire off a tweet as soon as I have kind of my initial gut reaction? I've done it. I This is an area that I can say for myself I've had to work on and that I still can do it at times. I feel that I've gotten better at it, but when I was early on on Twitter, I, I was ready to fight, especially if it was an injustice and that righteous anger. And I felt that in grief that I was ready to just scream at people and shout and yell and to end up even moving to the end of being toxic. And 
that's not always the right solution. It's not always the one that actually led to me being able to do anything about it. Um, and once again, I don't want this to come off as sounding like I'm like, you shouldn't be angry. You shouldn't scream. You shouldn't yell at people. You shouldn't get mad. Um, it's recognizing what the effects are that it's having on you and what the consequences of that are. Uh, is it hurting relationships? Is it damaging your own other elements of your mental health? Are you finding it difficult to be able to have a con conversation or even to get out your point? Are you being misunderstood to, to recognize what it is that you want to do? Grevin to me just does not, he doesn't have this management. We never kind of see him in any way have this introspection. He is driven by this because it, it was probably a survival at one point. Um, we talked about that he was drawn to power and status and he was really, a, he, he was a deadly warrior even before he, he had gotten the Phyrexian um, enhancements. He already was pretty much a fighter. Um, but we also see that he has the learned thing that Volrath controlled and punished him when he did not act as Volrath and wanted him to behave. And he did not do what he was told to do. He was abused and he was very much treated poorly and it leaves him bitter and resentful. And he in turn acts out that bitter and resentfulness on his soldiers. To me, this actually illustrated that learned behavior of kind of, he took what was done to him and he does it on down the line. Um, he's an outcast. He is just, I mean, he is somebody that is so consumed by this that there is no response other than to smash or to grab or to go head on, head first, if whatever is in front of him. And we see that this is, you know, it ends up being his own downfall. And it is because he ends up creating and passing that down to, I mean, in this way, literally with the storyline of trying to Phyrexianize Tangrath giving somebody else that much power and that fury. The, the, the idea behind of what I wanted to talk about today is really just kind of an introduction to be thinking about anger, um, to be thinking about how to express it, to be able to admit to those other emotions that you're feeling. And if you're trying to learn how to communicate your anger, admitting that you're angry, flat out saying it. Don't beat around the bush, not saying that you're not angry or what you're feeling. Maybe to also throw in what else you're feeling. Yeah, I'm insulted. I'm just, I feel disrespected. I feel hurt. I feel sad. I feel confused. I don't know how to act. And then to be able to say that and to express what it is that you're upset about. From a communication standpoint, anger management is all about assertiveness. It's learning how to be able to admit to emotions to own emotions, to express emotions, and to also then work on compromise and negotiation. Now, once again, we are going to run up against people that that's not possible with. And then it becomes a decision of, do I want to, how do I want to approach the situation? I think of this with the early days of Gamergate and, and trying to engage people in discussions, um, believing that they were approaching situations in a good faith effort, and they weren't. And this is where that kind of comes to at the end of the day, you know, punch Nazis. I mean, there, there is a point at which another person will not ever be open to kind of the idea that your rights are to be respected. And you may have to act in an aggressive manner. But it's recognizing if anger is starting to control more elements of your life and is really becoming a problem for you. And I can't be the one to tell you that. <laughs> um, it's it's going to be different for all of us. I do think that we've been seeing a lot more kind of tendency towards anger as an initial response because people don't know what they're feeling and they're scared. And I want us to just recognize that and to be talking about how do we then make apologies if we express our anger inappropriately or if we aren't being respected or our boundaries aren't. But it is that idea that it's looking for ways that we are able to cope with our anger, ways that we are able to manage our anger, and maybe ways that we can end up, in my opinion, 
kind of like Angrath, and we're making a decision to, to use our anger in a beneficial way. Anger can be a very powerful motivator to, to spur us to action, to get us to get involved. Where it becomes a problem, and this is always what I want to stress, when anger is felt too intensely for too long, and it leads over into that pathway of regression, where it moves from not the emotion, but our behavior and kind of what we are doing in response. That is what I want us to be keeping in mind as we're kind of having these conversations with each other. It's been a tough week. We are heading into an election. Emotions are running high. And these a lot of these are emotions that many of us do not know how to fully deal with. So be kind to one another. I don't want to sound cheesy, but I just want people to start thinking about this idea of anger is there. Anger is an emotion. Anger is something that we're all feeling. Anger can be very justified. We also have to decide how we are going to let it impact our lives and what role we are going to have in just managing it. And if we want to be expressing it and we are okay with that and we are okay with the consequences, then we're going to take it and that's how you're going to live. And that's the things I want you to realize that this has to be a decision that you're making for yourself. What role anger plays and whether you think that it is a healthy one for yourself or not. So once again, I want to thank you for sticking with me for today. This is a little bit longer than we've put out for a while, um, especially with me talking by myself. So I hope that it was at least informative. The plan is for next week to be back with our episode of part two, returning to kind of depression and <laughs> shockingly another emotion and also a, a, a clinical diagnosis. So until next time, this has been Hobbs Q. Thank you for joining me for the Goblin Lore podcast today. And that's our show for today. You can find the hosts on Twitter. HobbsQ can be found at HobbsQ. And Alex Newman can be found at Mel underscore Chronicler. Send any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to at GoblinLorePod on Twitter or email us at GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobsmug, the cast can be found at Patreon.com slash GoblinLorePod. Opening and closing music by VinderGotten who can be found on Twitter at Vindergotten or online at vindergotten.bandcamp.com. Logo art by Steven Raphael, who can be found on Twitter at Steve Raphael. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Tipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at hipstersofthecoast.com. Thank you all for listening. And remember, goblins like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers.